0: Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights CD. I'm Donna Hanson from Prime Solutions Training and Consulting. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and achievement both in business and personally. We know that these days it's often hard to find time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Prime's Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximizes your time and keeps you up to date with current trends. In today's Expert Insights CD, we speak with Keith Abraham of Passionate Performance Incorporated. Today, Keith will be sharing with us what is passion, why we need it, and how we can be more productive as a result. But before we start, a little bit about Keith. Keith is about delivering substance that's relative to the real world of business. He shows business people how to work smarter, engage their people, rekindle their passion and capitalise on their current market opportunities. But more importantly, his strategies have proven and have achieved some phenomenal results. From humble beginnings, Keith climbed the ladder to head a team of 65 with a $15 million budget at the tender age of 28. Over the past 16 years, Keith has built a reputation as one of Australia's most in-demand conference speakers, business growth analysts and innovation facilitators, working directly with some of the world's leading brands like Toyota, Lexus, Astron Insurance, Highcaps, Toshiba and NAB, just to name a few. Keith has worked directly with over 265 clients and 2,500 and SMEs in 20 different industries and in, has inspired over 300,000 people uh, around the world. So that's an, a, an amazing feat, and I'm sure he can remember every single person's name too. <laughs> Welcome, Keith.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Donna. I know them all personally. Absolutely. So, you and, know, I, it, it's been an amazing journey You know, considering the, the work we do these days is all over the world. Uh, from Asia to North America to the UK and obviously Australia and New Zealand and um it's just um the message just resonates with people
0: Absolutely. So before we get started why don't you tell us how do you, how you became to be a specialist in creating passion
1: Yeah Yeah, look, Donna, it's all based around passionate performance. So for the last 18 years, I've been a professional presenter. I've written best-selling books. I've written books a book around creating loyal, profitable customers. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, nothing great happens until somebody becomes passionate about something. And the philosophy I have is I work with organisations and say, you know what, yes, you do need to train your people in sales and service or, or collaboration or innovation or whatever it might be, but unless they're passionate in their own personal life, they'll never be truly committed to implementing a company strategy. So I just see there's that, there's that real piece. You know, I, I keep on saying to people, you know, when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. But for too many organizations, they're focused very much on what and how and when. And they never actually ever get around to talking about the why for the company, but more importantly, the individual's why.
0: Yeah, look, I think uh, that that is a huge question. I know myself following one of your workshops, uh, the question why is definitely something that not every day people think about it. And a lot of people just go to work and do the same thing over and over again because, you know, that's just the way we've always thought we have to do it. Um, so so how does um, or why do we need to be passionate in our work and, and of course, in our personal lives?
1: Well, I honestly believe that our lives are made up of four key components. There are things in your life that you like to do, there's things in your life that you love to do, there's things in your life you have to do, and there's things in your life that you hate to do. Mm-hmm. And if, there are, if your life is made up of things that you have to do and hate to do, uh, your life's going to be pretty bloody miserable. <laughs> but but so often everybody delays joy you know i'll do this when the kids start going to school i'll do this when i get my new promotion i'll get i'll do this uh, you know when the kids leave home good luck with that i'll do this when and what and so that's what i mean about delaying joy but what i do know is that if people go and follow their heart if people are doing things that they love to do and they like to do they'll have great energy and, and let's put it this way, Donna. If you know, if you want to have somebody in your business, I can train, I can, I can develop people, I can develop people's skills and knowledge, but I can't develop their level of, of their attitude and their energy, how they, bring, you know, what momentum they bring to work. And so, passion. Uh, we'll I'll give you an example. I've been mm-hmm. doing some work with uh, Westpac uh, in New Zealand. And so they run our Passionate Performance Program. We've put um, 600 business bankers through it, 130 uh, back office admin leaders, um, and um, we've, uh, we've put uh, 200 and almost 400 of the retail banking staff through it and we're talking now about how we roll it out to the next level. Mm-hmm. And why do we do that when the program's absolutely got nothing to do with Westpac? Because here's what they here's what they get. They're one of the enlightened companies. Here's what they get. If their people are happy in their own life, their own personal life, they'll be great at serving their customers. If they if they've got great passion and great energy for for what they do, how they do it, and who they do it for, they'll be great in that organization. And so that's why this key component around helping people to find their passion, pursue their passion, and to live passionately is really important because when people move on, you know, move up and move forward, they're the people you want in your organization.
0: Mm. Look, and and I'm sure, and I know you've probably experienced this too. But I know, in, certainly in my career, prior to doing what I'm doing now, you know, there were plenty of days where it's a struggle to get out of bed. You're just going, oh, I've got to go, got to go to work. I really don't want to be there. And then when you get there, you're just go, thinking about. You know what time am I going home and when's lunch and all of yeah. that sort of stuff and you know it makes it a real drudgery and, and I guess and no doubt you've seen this this probably impacts on the people around you and and you know brings the mood down
1: sure absolutely and you know donna the the, the challenges is, is that nobody's ever born like that, and nobody ever, that nobody sets their goal to be miserable but what but what happens is that um is that we, we lose focus on what counts and what's important and what makes a difference in our life. We, we don't actually take some time off that busy, hectic treadmill. And, you know, you know this, you're into productivity. You know, I, I make this comment to people. It's like, you know, we are now, uh, you know, this year is skipping by. You know, this month's just gone by. So, so you think, you know, Oh, you know what, what is it? Oh, it's because you're getting older. No, it's got nothing to do with your age. What it is is that, you know, 30 years ago, before email, if you've got, you got a, you know, the average person gets over 50, e- in corporate Australia, gets over uh, 50 emails a day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, now, some of your listeners are going, 50, I'd be lucky to get 50. <laughs> yeah, that'd, you know, yeah um, well, that'd I'm, be great if I only got 50. <laughs> exactly. I'd be, you know, I'd be, hallelujah, I'm getting 100. So put it this way, let's put it into context. If you've got 100 pieces of mail a day, You're either a small post office or a mail-order (laughs) catalogue.
0: And if I'm a mail-order catalogue, I want as many as you can send to me.
1: That's right. And so so people go, you know, so how do people, people do so much more in their day? They make so many more decisions. Now, they're making decisions about, do I say yes to this opportunity or no to that opportunity? Do I do I give, you know, Mary approval to do this? Um, do I, what's some, go to this meeting with John? I'm making all those decisions. So in making all of those decisions every day, get, guess what I avoid doing? I avoid making decisions in my own personal life. Mm, mm. I, I avoid making decisions because I, I am... I either don't have the energy. Or I'm, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally fatigued, and and then on top of that, you put in corporate change and you know a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, and all the wow.
0: downsizing, GFC. Yeah, uh, I guess what, I guess what you're saying is that, you know, really. It's about choice. People do have the choice to just roll along and, I guess, feel like a victim of the, you know, the environment around them. I can't change anything. This is just the way it is. But reality is, if they took a step back, they can change and they can do anything they like.
1: Yeah. G- give an example. and Reflect back on Westpac because I started that story. So I'm in... Um, so we roll this program out to uh, Westpac uh, Retail Banking Managers. Um, so there's 130 pe- 30 people in the, in the program and we're going through this. And, um, and so I go back in, so that was October last year. I, I go back in February this year and the, um, I ran into one of the people in the hallway and said, Keith, I just want to say thanks very much for that program. It's really made such a huge difference in my life. I said, uh, she, he said, um, he said, of the 220 retail branches in New Zealand, my branch was number 220th. Now Donna you and I both know nobody wants to be last. No, no. <laughs> you know we don't want to be the last kid picked on the footy team, so nobody wants to be last. And he said, can I tell? You, I'm now number four. Oh, in wow. five months, I've gone from number 220 to number four. I said, what has happened? He said, I have the same customers at the same branch in the same location with the same staff he said, I changed. He said, I implemented those things that you talked about, about finding out what's meaningful, clarifying my milestones, uh, understanding what mindset I need, and then and then creating momentum, momentum through a series of rituals. He said, I didn't tell anybody what I was going to go away and do. He said, I just went and did it. He said, I went and became the living example. That's what I talk about a lot. He became the living example. He said, when I changed, everybody else changed around me. Mm. He said, and we went from number 220th to number four.
0: And, you know, that's interesting because it's not even like in that case, he was a leader, but you Mm. don't even have to be a leader because you could just be in a team of people and your behavioral shift and your uh, engagement, enlightenment and passion just oozes out. You know, I guess we're attracted to people who make us feel good. And when people are feeling inspired and happy and enlightened, um, you know good things are going to happen around them and it rubs off on everybody else doesn't it
1: It sure does it's 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 infectious you know and it ha- you know you said before about choices and you know the the one bit of feedback i get from running our program and you know we've put something like you know over i suppose it's pushing now up to about 6000 people over the last couple of years through that program mm-hmm. and the one feedback consistent feedback i get from people is you know Keith, um, the one thing I got to, from today is you gave me permission to dream and to think about the 100 goals I want to achieve in my lifetime. Oh. Now, but guess what, Don? I, I don't have the authority to give them permission. But, but you know what I mean? You have the authority to give yourself permission. But you know what we do? We create an environment. We create a strategy and a structure uh, where people can come there and they can actually get off that treadmill, get off, you know, get off the, the, the busy being busy, And sit down and think about what's important, what matters, what, and and if, and if they believe I gave them permission to do that, well, I'll take full credit for it. But, but that's what we do. We give people permission to to dream and to say you know what is it that you need to do in your life differently what do you need to do more of what do you need to do less of what do you need to start doing and what do you need to stop doing
0: Keith you know I'm confident between the two of us we could talk for hours about this subject (laughs) I think I think you know I'm I'm drawn in by your passion I think we're both passionate about our own things and and I'm sure our listeners can hear that now you know my question is, you yeah. know, many organisations probably view passion with a little bit of, um, shall I say, scepticism. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a little bit sort of a, like a fluffy, soft topic. How, how do you respond to that, the cl- clients that perhaps or prospects that come from that uh, perspective?
1: Yeah, look, you know, it's interesting. Um, one of the things I talk about is no- nothing great happens until somebody becomes passionate about something, as I said earlier. Um so what, what? every organisation wants is engaged, enthused, and energised people. Uh. And the only way they're going to get engaged, enthused, and energised people is if people become passionate about their own life, because there are four great stresses in life. Um, your people will not bring the very best of themselves to the table if they have stress in their in, in their um, you know health stress. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if they don't feel 100%, if, uh, if they've got some sort of ailment or whatever, um, they will. Um, the, the second stress is money, mm-hmm. you know. The, the third is relationships, and, and the fourth is the stress at their work. And And believe it or not, that's the least. Mm-hmm. And, and if the other three are all about them, if if we can help people identify and clarify um and, and start to create greater certainty and more confidence uh, in their life, so they become more consistent. Um, then they'll be great in that in in that organisation. Now, I need to say not everybody gets what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, but organisations like Westpac, NAB, AIA in Asia with 220,000 insurance agents, um, Bupa in the UK. Um, um, you know, Sandvik out of uh, Scandinavia, Um, Toyota, Lexus, those organisations who are uh, from, you know, from a whole lot of different industries uh, get this message because they are looking for the edge. Mm. The the, the, the organisations who are not enlightened will say the question like, okay, so will this increase our engagement score? If you are doing this to increase your engagement score, wrong reason, and you don't get it, you want to do this because it's the right thing to do for your people because you want to give back to them because they give you their blood, sweat and tears every other day of the week and you want to give something back just for them and you want to surprise and delight them uh, by doing that. If you want to do it just to increase your engagement scores. Now, what I do know, Donna, because we track everything, we measure everything, engagement scores go up, you know, from anywhere from high single figures to very high double figures, depending on the organisation and level of culture. Um, And so, but the ones who just don't get it, um, you know, as Jim Rowan said, they're not supposed to get it.
0: Uh, there's two things that spring to mind here as, as comparative sort of stuff, and that's those organisations that profess to commit to sustainability and yeah. diversity. So yeah. the, these are the organisations that um, talk the the language but their um, approach and their actions don't necessarily match. And there needs to be, the two need to be congruent and you need to buy into the underlying message or the value associated with what it is that you're trying to do. And you're quite right, this, you know, stuff like this, is isn't for all organisations, but there will be organisations out there who recognise this as an opportunity to shift from being something that's a bit more um, run-of-the-mill, um, you know, on the same par with competitors to creating something that differentiates themselves from their competitors and establishes them as a, um, you know, potentially an employer of choice.
1: Well, well even, let's talk even about that, because... Um you know, the whole employer of choice is pretty important. Mm. So, so we're running this program, and we do this in a number of different organisations now, but um, we originally did this with, uh, with Westpac. So, you know, 600 business bankers, 100, you know, 130 support staff. Of those people that went through that program, they set, and we tracked this as well, they set, um, you know, 46,500 goals. Wow! Now, now, if only if only one percent if only one percent of those uh, goals come true, nothing but good can come from that. Nothing but good can come from it. But here's what we do know: is that uh, we've also tracked what happens, you know, two and three years after the program, and we know that if people write down their list of 100 goals, 40 of those goals will come true in three years. So you know, in in essence, you know, there's a whole lot of great things, uh, uh, you know, happen from that. Now, here's the second part of that. So if you're sitting in a workshop and it, our program is a half, three-quarter day workshop and people, it's highly interactive and people walk away and, and everyone gets very involved and engaged and have, has a great time and, and walks away with greater clarity. Um, if you're sitting there... One of the questions I ask the group is, because it's got nothing to do with Westpac or AIA or Sandvik or whatever the company I am working in, uh, if you're sitting there and going through this personal development program, what are you thinking? And and what often happens is I'm thinking, I wish my uh, fill in the gap. My husband, my wife, my partner, my son, my daughter, my mum, my father, uh, my brother, my sister, my best friend was here today. And 70% of the audience always comes up with that response. So what we started doing at Westpac and we're now doing at Toyota and is we, we run a family and friends program. Mm. So on a Saturday morning, uh, we invite people that have been on the program, if they'd like to have any of their family members, there's no limit on it, uh, to come along and do the workshop. And if they want to come back and do it again, and a number of them come back and do it again, if they want to come along uh, with their family or send their family along, they're most welcome to, and the company pays for it. Because here's what I also know, Donna, um, is that if I if I am a business banker with Westpac and my partner, my partner actually works for Westpac. It's just they're not on the payroll. Because I go home and I talk. Oh, Mary did this and John did that and we finally got this deal across the line. And, and they go, Oh, really? Oh, wow. You know, um, I, I re- you know, yeah, I remember you talking about that. So so why wouldn't we why wouldn't we connect with people in, at that next level? And have a great advocate at home for the organisation as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's absolutely. what the
1: and that's what the program does. So you know that's you know it, that's this um, unbelievable you know con, um, connection that people start to create from the program. It has it it's got so many different layers of value to it. It's not funny.
0: So, Keith, have you got some suggestions as to, to where to start? Like you mentioned yeah. your list of goals, but I, I want to park that one for the moment because I want to have a deeper conversation about that. Sure. Is there sort of one or two things that could help us start to become passionate people?
1: Yeah, I, I think the first thing you've got to do is, is, and for a lot of people, uh, when I ask them the question, what are you passionate about, they go, I don't know. And, and my response is you do, you just haven't had time to think about it or I haven't asked you enough questions. Mm-hmm. So the first part of it is I just say to people, what do you love to do? In your life, what do you, what have you loved doing or what do you love to do? And we get people to identify at least three things they love to do apart from or, or passionate about apart from their family. Um because most people, you know, when you say, what are you passionate about? I'm passionate about my family. Well, you know, I get that too. I'm, um, you know, married to Christine, two daughters, been married 22 plus years. And um, and um so I'm passionate about my family. But what else am I passionate about? Because here's what we know is that when I go and do the things that I'm passionate about, it recharges my battery, it re-energizes me so I can go and do those things I have to do and hate to do. So that's the first thing. The second thing is is we actually get people, and I know you want to park the thing, in, uh, we actually get people to start writing down a list of 100 things they want to do in their lifetime, and I can talk more about that because what rolls off that is that all of us, you and I and every individual human being on this planet has one to three driving emotions. Now, not everybody's aware of this, but um, what we've done through research and and, and what we understand is that you know if if people are committed to their goal, if people want to be committed to their goal, they need to have an emotional, mental, and physical connection with it. So what do I mean? Um, you need to it's feel think, do. You need to know how you want to feel. And you go, Oh, Keith, I'm a bloke. You know, I'm, you know, barely experienced four emotions in my life. And I think one of them, and I I think, and I think one of them was indigestion. (laughs) And and, and so uh, now ladies don't get out of it too easy because there's lots of people that experience all 135 different emotions in a week. So, you know, there's. So you've got these two, if you don't understand what your emotional connection is and you go, well, how do I work that out? Well, if if I can get you to write down 10 or 20 things that you want to do in your lifetime and then ask you the question, so how would you feel going to Italy and spending three weeks in Tuscany? How would that make you feel? Oh, I'd, I'd feel successful. I'd feel satisfied. I'd feel happy. And what happens is all of us have got one to three driving emotions. And then what we say is rather than going and setting a goal, I want to, you know, you know get this promotion or make this a level of money or meet this sales target... What we say to them is, how would that make you feel? Set your goals around your emotional drivers. Mm -hmm. And once you get the emotional connection, then you can get the mental connection about what you actually have to do. And then the physical connection is about the ritual that you need to take on an ongoing, you know, that that you need to do every day. Because goals are achieved on a day-to-day basis. They're they're chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. They're made progress on a day-to-day basis and then the final piece of this puzzle is we have to work out in your life what you need to start doing and stop doing because one of the reasons why most goals are never achieved is not because people are incompetent or they're procrastinators it's because their plate is so full there is no room there is no space for that goal to come into their life they can just not physically fit anything else into their schedule and so You know from a universal perspective it's it's never going to happen until you create some space to allow it to come into your life and that's letting go that's letting go of stuff that just is not important how many of us get so wound up about stuff That in a month's time, we can barely remember what we are doing backflips over.
0: Keith, that's uh, just amazing. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to find that very insightful. It just seems obvious now to follow on and and talk about the list of goals a bit further. Mm. So I know at the workshop that I attended uh, of yours, um, you got us to start creating this list of 100 goals, and you've touched on it briefly. Um, Yes. uh, You know, and you've said that to enable them to connect. But how does this help make them more productive?
1: Well, well, I think you've got to have, you know, look, I'm not a boating. You know, my (laughs) father-in-law's a boating. But what I do know about boating is this, is that I set a course. Uh, if I'm one degree off course, off my true north, so to speak, if I'm one degree off course for five minutes in a boat, no big deal, no big deal. I just, I just, I adjust the rudder, uh, I bring the boat back around on course, and I keep on setting sail. If I'm one degree off course for a month, I am lost at sea. Mm. And so, what the hundred does is it gets us to start to dream about what's possible. You know, what you're capable, what you're worthy of. And, it, and it, because what happens is we stop dreaming as teenagers. You know, you know when, when somebody says, oh, you know, I want to I go and be a rock star. I want to run my own business. So I say, you can't do that. Mm. And so all of a sudden I stop talking about what I'm going to do and I conform mm. with everybody else. And so what we ask people to do is to start their list of 100 things they want to do in their lifetime. And we have 25 questions. I'm happy to give you the 25 questions. Um, But we have 25 questions. In actual fact, you know, that might be a good thing to give people. Absolutely. Because what happens is is when I first was asked to do this as a 23-year-old, 23 and a half to be precise, and they said, write down 100 things you want to do in your lifetime. And I sat under a Shady Truth, a clipboard, And I wrote down six things and I thought, geez, life's going to be short. You know, (laughs) is that it? Uh, You you know, like, and and you sort of go, and the seventh thing I wrote down was finish this bloody list. Um, You know, I was looking for anything. (laughs) But since that time, I've done it about six times. And it took me six weeks and I finally got 100. And I know you're working on your hundred. But what, I just think it's a great catalyst. It's a great catalyst to to shift some thinking. It's a great catalyst to remove some roadblocks. It's a great catalyst to put push some boundaries. And, and to a person, every time I ask him to do this activity, and at the end of the activity, uh, I say to people, "Did you you know? Did you write down more you thought that you could write down when I originally started asking you to do this activity?" And The answer is always a resounding yes. So it's about getting people to dream again. It's about getting them to think about what's possible, what you know, what they're capable of and what they're worthy of. And, and, I'm, sorry. and sorry, Don, and I was just gonna say, you know, and, and, and from that, from that one activity, people can then start to think about, you know, what's important, what matters and what makes a difference to them.
0: So I guess that means even if they're in a job that maybe they're not as passionate about as they, you know, wish yeah. they, they were, it enables them to recommit and go, well, there's a purpose, there's a reason why I'm doing this in order to achieve these things.
1: Yeah, it's, it, be, it becomes the vehicle. Mm. It, it, it becomes the vehicle for what they want to do. And, and understand, this is not about quitting your job. This is about, you know, I honestly believe there are two types of passions. You know, you are either passionate about what you do and you generate an income from doing it, like you and I do. Yep. Um, or you have a career that provides you with money and a vehicle and uh, an opportunity to go and actually do the things you love to do. Mm. You know, so, you know, I I really have a great love and passion for photography. Um, I don't ever want to become a professional photographer, but... You know, my the work that I do gives me that opportunity to travel and to take photos and to incorporate it into you know my blogs and 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 things that I do. Um, and so, I, you know, I had a conversation with somebody from the NAB the other day, organising a meeting with one of their executive assistants, and um, I had a little pa uh, I had a little um, PS from this uh, you know this executive executive assistant saying Keith I just want to let you know since the program I've I've now completed four photography courses because you just made me realize that one of my passions was photography and I've never done anything about it and you'd never you could hear the excitement even in the email and then when I chatted with her you know we started sharing you know photography stories and but she was energized now the thing there is that she's energized about her life which means she's energized at work
0: which means that the likelihood of her delivering, uh, you know, greater productivity. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Goes hand in hand. That's good. I think it's great to make the connection because Mm. often, you know, for those that perhaps haven't experienced um, things like this, you know, sometimes the the link between the two might not be as clear. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times you've written a, a couple of books and i know that um one book uh i've read is it it's called it starts with passion and finding your why yeah um you know just a little bit of clarity for our listeners what's the difference between the why and passion
1: yeah look um passion or passions are those things that you love to do in your life that give you energy Mm -hmm. um and the why is really about purpose so, what your purpose is in life? You know, what were you put on this planet to do? Maybe it was to, you know, raise really, um, you know, balanced, you know, great quality, high value, as in high with high values and high standards kids. You know, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was to to change the world. Maybe it was to create a product that. You know, that turn dirty water into clean water. You know, what, what, it, so, so purpose and passion are two different things. One, one gives you, uh, one gives you, um, the joy. I can go and take some photos as soon as I've finished this recording. Uh, and I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, um, right. that not, not necessarily be, uh, what my purpose is and, and you know my purpose is really simple you know assist people to create clarity build confidence and create certainty so they can move on move up and move forward towards living living passionately you know that's my purpose and, and how I do that is through speaking and writing and and online and in programs like we're talking on right now you know getting that message out to people
0: I think that that can be a little overwhelming too, the the why element, because I think some people maybe expect that their why or their purpose is supposed to be, is the word altruistic? Also, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm it doesn't—it doesn't have to be that. um no. you know, it could be something as simple as you know achieving all the things that you want to achieve in life, and and not being afraid to do those things that people say, "Oh no, you can't do that, or you shouldn't do that," or
1: it, here's a good purpose, Donna. I wrote a blog about this just recently. You know, you, you're either going to be the um, best version of you, or the second best version of somebody else. Wow, I and, like that. And so, so it's it's about you being the best version of you, mm. and and you know I know for me, um, you know there's a whole lot of things that go into being the best version of me. You know, it's it's my ritual, uh, it's the ritual, it's my daily rituals, whether it be around exercise, around the food I eat, around you know I, I meditate, uh, you know, it, it's it's I know that the things that work for me. Um, that helped me become the best version of me possible and and to be perfectly honest that that's what i have to do to be able to live my uh, live my passions and and to live my purpose i I need to be the walking talk uh, sorry i need to be the living example of of the best the best version of me uh, not the talking example of best version of me uh, I think as professional speakers, uh, you know, and so many people, you know, I suppose in essence they don't have to be professional speakers either, is that with the talking version, uh, not the living version. And if you've got teenage kids, you know, you can't bluff them. You know, you might be able to bluff everybody else at work or, you know, but, but you can't bluff them. And, and you have to become, you have to become the living example, not the talking example
0: now Keith we're fast running out of time and and as I said earlier on you know I could talk for hours with you <laughs> so we can,
1: we can always do a part two Don.
0: <laughs> so you know the the last thing I want to mention is I you've you've talked about the programs that you run with companies all around the world the passionate performance program I'm, I'm guessing yeah. this isn't and and certainly you've elaborated that perhaps it's not sitting around a campfire and singing songs <laughs> um, although you know nothing wrong with that no. um, how does how does this program make organisations more productive? And I know we've sort of skirted around it a little, um, yeah. but, yeah, let's just hone in